a marquee top five showdown, a potential preview for what could be the championship game of the 45th annual Big East tournament happening Saturday. That and a whole lot more coming up here on this edition of the Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. Thank you once again for tuning in to the coolest podcast in all of college basketball. Where do we begin? Well, let's... I mean, let's start on the women's side, actually. I mean, let's keep the trend going. I, I mentioned Villanova at the end of the episode last time out. They beat Georgetown 62-47, so now the Wildcats... Again, they're in sole possession of third in the Big East. Meanwhile, another action Tuesday. I mean, this was kind of a rivalry day as Seton Hall battled St. John's. I mean, this was a, a seesaw battle for most of the game. St. John's went up eight after one, and then Seton Hall rallied to take a three-point lead heading into the locker room. But then once St. Once St. John's regained the lead in the early stages of the third. It was all red storm from there. I mean, Seton Hall did cut it down to one, but St. John's answered that by scoring the next 10 points. And Unique Drake's 26 points is a plays a pivotal role in St. John's getting a big win, a bounce-back win, as she was 9 of 17 shooting and 2 of 3 from long range. Something worth noting, St. John's only took seven three-point attempts the whole game. Dominated the glass 36-25. Offense, they had an 8-4 offensive rebounding edge. Got to the line a whole lot more. 17 of 20 from the charity stripe, whereas Seton Hall was just 6 for 7. And having more efficiency, 46% overall compared to 42.6% for Seton Hall. Pirates were 5 of 16 from long range. And from their big-time players, they just didn't get the production they needed. Case Satterfield and Savannah Catalan each had a dozen, with Catalan, of course, doing it off the bench in 29 minutes. But Shay Hagens had nine points, continuing to play strong. You know, she was the X-factor in their overtime win in South Orange just a few weeks back. Amari Wright had six points and six dimes, but Micah Gray and Azana Bain struggling, that ultimately did... The Pirates in. And, you know, Jillian Archer had another double-double. 10 points, 12 rebounds. Bernaya Mayo with a bounce-back ever with 13 points. So, again, St. John's big win. And for Seton Hall, you know, now they're two games out of a first-round bye for the Big East tournament with time running out. The team that they trail is Marquette for the, for the fifth and final bye. Marquette took care of business 69-58 in Chicago. They used big first and third quarters to win it. They were up 19 going into the fourth. Mackenzie Hare continuing to ball out, being one of the best three-point shooters in the conference. 19 points. Liza Carlin chipped in 16-12. and 12. Jordan King 10-7-7. X-Factor performance. I would say off the bench, freshman Skylar Forbes with eight points in 23 minutes off the bench. Meanwhile, for DePaul, 
Anaya Peoples, her struggles shooting the ball played an important role. Nine points on three of 14 shooting, 12 rebounds. Leading the way for DePaul was Jory Allen with 18 points. And they got 12 points from Caitlin Gilbert. They did get some important, some good bench contributions. You know, eight points from Shakara McCline. And four points from Bryn Maskowitz. But two of each, both teams struggled from three. Two for 11 for Marquette. Two for 12 for DePaul. And I mean, this is an ugly game. DePaul, 24 turnovers. Marquette, 20. But was it ugly? Yes. But did they get the job done, Marquette? Yes, they did. By the way, now let's go into, this is absurd. UConn was a 44.5 point favorite at Xavier Wednesday night. And they kind of proved why. Because at the end of the third quarter, it was 71 to 18. I wish I was making that number up, but I'm not. And it was 50 to 13 at halftime. And this kind of game, this is exactly what the doctor ordered for UConn. And I'm not trying to be punny. But Gino's starters needed a rest and he needed to get some reps for the bench. So this is a great game to do it. Paige Becker's at 20 points in 26 minutes. Seven boards, five assists, nine of 14 shooting, and two of five from long range. Aaliyah Edwards, 16 points, 10 rebounds. She got her double-double in just 22 minutes. Ashlyn Shade with 14 points on the night. Nika Mule, 7 points, 11 assists, 3 of 4 shooting, and 1 of 2 from long range. And off the bench, you know, they got 11 points and 14 rebounds from Ice Brady in 24 minutes. And then you add 10 points and 8 rebounds in 23 minutes for Caden Samuels. I mean, some of the numbers are just ridiculous. By the way, UConn only committed 5 personal fouls the whole game. Xavier, 12. Fifty-six to twenty edge on the glass. They shot over fifty percent from the floor inside the arc. Twenty-seven of forty-three. Xavier, on the other hand, twenty-four point six percent from the floor and twenty point five percent from three. Eight for thirty-nine. Asianique Mayo off the bench leads the way with fourteen points in thirty-three minutes. You had ten points from fellow freshman Daniela Lopez. I mean, it's just a rough shooting night. And their leading scorer, Michaela Scarlett, held to single digits, 4 of 13 shooting, and 1 of 8 from long range. And Mayo was the only player to score off the bench for Xavier. So, I mean, it just keeps getting worse as the Musketeers fall to 1 and 21. And then last but not least, even though I picked Providence to win this game, remember what I said towards the end of the, um, the women's segment last time out. I said that don't be surprised if Butler wins because now they got a little momentum for beating St. John's and now they're going to figure it out. I wouldn't be shocked if they were to figure it out. And guess what happened? This. In a rock fight, Butler steals one in Friartown, 55-48 behind Caroline Strandy's 22 points in 37 minutes. 
The only other Bulldog double figures was uh, Riley McAluskey with 10 points, and then you add 9 from Rachel Kent. Not a great shooting night for either team, but Butler had more opportunities. Um, they made six three-pointers compared to Providence's three, and they got to the line more. Nine of 12 from the free-throw line compared to five of seven. Meanwhile, for Providence, only one player in double figures. That was Olivia Olsen. 17 minutes due to foul trouble. 11 points, 5 of 10 shooting. Knocked down her only three-point attempt of the game. Uh, Grace Afosa had 8 points in 30 minutes. Marta Morales-Romero only limited to 16 minutes. 7 points, 3 for 7 shooting. Knocked down her only three-point attempt of the game. So Butler... Starting to pick up steam, whereas Providence, you know, a loss like that, it'll it'll hurt. But luckily, they get Xavier Sunday. Weekend picks, they'll be coming up a little later on. But now shifting gear to the men's side. Tuesday night, uh, number four Marquette. They, it was a gutsy win against Butler. I mean, Butler put in the kind of performance that I was anticipating, even though, and I picked Butler getting the upset. But Tyler Kolek continued his hot streak and now making a very strong case to repeat as Big E's player of the year. Putting up 27 points, 7 boards and 5 dimes, 10 of 21 shooting and 2 of 4 from long range. Osubi Godaro added 17 points and 10 boards. Cam Jones with 11 points. Another icebreaker performance. Ben Gold, 16 minutes, 9 points off the bench. (laughs) And it was incredible for Marquette to overcome 19 points off the bench from Finley Bizjack in 19 minutes. You know, when the starters just didn't have it, Pasha Alexander just four points, DJ Davis only seven points, couldn't find his stroke for three-point range, and just didn't have a scoring touch. Bizjack stepped up, the freshman, providing some important scoring in minutes off the bench. But uh, Hinkle Magic just didn't become a factor. 14 turnovers played a pivotal role in Marquette winning. And the Golden Eagles only turned it over seven times. And the turnover points off turnovers margin was 15 to 7. Points in the paint, 46 to 20. So big win for Marquette as they continue their hot streak. They haven't lost since that loss to Butler in early January. So, you know, along with UConn, along with UConn, they're the hottest team in the Big East. More on those two teams coming up later. In a just bizarre game at the Amp, St. John's at Providence, as we know, Rick Pitino, 37 years ago as the Providence coach, led them to the Final Four in a bit of a Cinderella run back 
at the place formerly known as the Providence Civic Center. Providence got off to a hot start. Taking a 28-15 lead about halfway through the first half. And then St. John's went on a tear and went up five going into the locker room. And just when you think St. John's, you know, they're starting to get on a roll. Out comes Providence. And now and then they re- regain the lead. And then St. John's in the seesaw battle. They tie it up at 70 in the final two minutes. But Providence just behind 28 from the returning Josh Oduro. They did just enough to subdue St. John's. Devin Carter chipped in 14 points, 11 boards, and 4 assists. 3 of 7 from the floor, 1 of 2 from 3. I mean, I credit St. John's for doing a really good job of making sure that he didn't have a monster game like he has against basically everyone in the conference. Uh, Ticket Gaines chipped in 11 points. Rich Barron remaining in the starting lineup. He chipped in 10 points in 22 minutes, 4 of 8 from the floor, and 2 of 5 from 3. Jaden Pierre returned to the starting lineup, only scoring 5 points, adding 6 rebounds and 5 assists. Corey Floyd Jr. continuing his strong play, 31 minutes off the bench, scoring 7 points. And they were able to overcome a 43-31 rebounding margin. You know, St. John's left some points at the line, but at the same time, Providence was much more efficient from the floor and also got to the line more, shooting 19 of 24 from the charity stripe. By the way, St. John's had 17 offensive rebounds. Providence, three. Meanwhile, for St. John's, an interesting move as Joel Soriano was relegated to the bench in favor of of Zuby Edgefer. Edgefer played 18 minutes and was brilliant. Seven point. I mean, for the limited minutes he played because of foul trouble, I mean, he went three for three and finished with seven points. RJ Lewis was the standout with 16 points and 14 rebounds. Dennis Jenkins, 13 points, but a rough day shooting the rock. Um, Out of nowhere, Sean Conway chipped in 11 points in 27 minutes, three for four from long range. And Soriano coming off the bench, he did foul out in 22 minutes finishing with nine points on three of eight shooting, three of six from the free throw line as well. Meanwhile, I'm not going to go into detail about it, but 17th ranked Creighton, no surprise, decimates Georgetown at home behind Baylor Shireman's triple-double, the first for Creighton in nearly 40 years. Shireman, 15 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, 6 of 14 shooting, 2 of 9 from long range is eh, but efficient inside at 4 for 5. But Trey Alexander, the real standout here with 26 points, 9 of 14 shooting is 6 of 8 from 3. And then you add in 17 from Kalkbrenner, 12 all from behind the arc for Steven Ashworth. The bench had a solid outing. Farabello makes a couple threes. Seven out of nowhere from Jason Green. And Mason Miller knocked down a couple trays. Two of Creighton's 17 three-pointers. I mean, Georgetown's defense was just porous. They allowed Creighton to shoot nearly 59% from the floor. Inside the arc, you want to know what their shooting percentage was? 77%. 
That is absurd. <laughs> Meanwhile, for Georgetown, uh, Supreme Cook had a double-double with 19 points and 11 boards. Jaden Epps got into that offensive rhythm that we've grown so accustomed to seeing him in. Again, 17 points on the night. Dontrez Styles, 13 points, but a hideous 3 of 12 shooting and 1 of 3 from deep. Uh, Rome Brumbaugh, easily their best performer off the bench. 14 minutes, 11 points, 5 of 6 from the floor, and knocked down his only 3-point attempt of the game. So Creighton continues their hot streak, and they remain tied for third with Seton Hall, who played host to Xavier. And I called it on the show a couple days ago. I had a feeling that they were just going to bounce back and have that kind of reset that Xavier had, ironically, just a few weeks ago when UConn ran them out of the XL Center. And Shaheen Holloway said it after the after the game. We weren't gonna allow I wasn't gonna allow that to happen. If if you if you thought we were gonna play the way we did Sunday here tonight, I wasn't gonna let that happen. And that's exactly what happened. And they just pounced on Xavier. Xavier just couldn't hit shots like they normally do. And Seton Hall did the act, they did the polar opposite, leading 47-25 at the break. Xavier went on a bit of a run in the second half, and they cut it down to as low as like 15, I think. But Seton Hall pulls away and wins big. 88 to 70 behind 20 points from Kadari Richmond and 13 assists, the second most in a Big East game. Well, technically third most in Big East history. Only one man has had more assists in a Big East game in the history of Seton Hall basketball. And it's none other than Shaheen Holloway. <laughs> Alamir Dawes found his stroke again. 18 points on 6 of 12 shooting and 4 of 6 from long range. Something to note, Dre Davis was really efficient playing 13 minutes in the first half nine points on three of three shooting and one of one from long range but he at he injured his ankle and according to Shaw it was really swollen up so Dre ended up not playing in the second half as a you know as just a little safety precaution so you just hope that you know between now you know between Wednesday and Sunday their next game at St. John's that he'll be fully healthy Meanwhile, Jaden Bediaco with 12 points and 9 rebounds. Dylan Adewusu, 8 points, but he did most of his work really clamping down on Quincy Olivari. You know, Olivari still got 25 points, but it took him a while to, to heat up. He only had 4 points in the first half. And he had 21 of Xavier's 45 in the second half. X-Factor off the bench, guess who? Isaiah Coleman in 27 minutes, taking Davis' spot in the you know main five that played in the second half for Seton Hall. He had 14 points in 27 minutes, four of six from the floor, and one of two from long range. Looking at, you know, they forced 13 Xavier, Xavier turnovers, 10 of which came in the first half, and again, Seen Hall, Xavier lost this game for themselves in the first half because they committed 10 turnovers and they didn't score a single point off turnovers until the second half. And Xavier's one of the best transition teams in the conference. 
and they couldn't get into their element of scoring in transition and off turnovers. Olivari had 25, like I mentioned, but because of the lack of production from the starters, you know, Abu Usman only played eight minutes. Gidis Namiksha was limited to 17 minutes. Desmond Claude played 28 minutes, but picked up three fouls in the first half alone and only finished with six points. The guy who got the most minutes at the five in place of Usman, out of nowhere, they got eight points from Kachi Enze. He finished with eight points in 20 minutes. And for context, by the way, he had nine points total on the season coming into the game. Meanwhile, Shasha Shiani, he had seven points in 24 minutes off the bench. Dalen Swain, four points, and Trey Green had three points. So a tough loss for Xavier. I mean, they had a quad one road win opportunity, but Seton Hall gets the job done. And then I'm not going to go into detail. Valentine's Day in Chicago, number one UConn, killed DePaul as expected, 101-65. to It was really funny watching, you know, UConn was doubling up DePaul 52-26 late in the first half. But Deshaun Nelson got a, you know, DePaul got a steal and then Deshaun Nelson hit a three at the buzzer just getting the shot off in time as the ball left his hand around one or two tenths of a second. And it was really funny that Dan Hurley was pretty incensed about the fact that they allowed that three to end the half. Well, you know, they bounced back and had a, what, a 49-36 advantage in the second half. And all five starters were in double figures. Alex Carabin at 21. Stefan Castle at 15, including a nasty windmill. Cam Spencer at 14 points, a quiet 14. Tristan Newton had 10 points, as did Donovan Klingon, only played 17 minutes due to foul trouble. But UConn fans were calling this the Jalen Stewart game, the freshman from Seattle with 11 points in 16 minutes. Solo Ball added 9 points in 11 minutes. Hassan Diara, 8 points in 21 minutes. I mean, looking at some of the numbers, 41-25 edge on the glass. 13 threes on 28 attempts, that's 46%. Inside the arc, 23 for 36. They hold DePaul to 30% from three. And 40.7% overall. UConn had 15 offensive rebounds also. And points off turnovers, UConn had 25 points off 13 DePaul turnovers compared to just nine DePaul points off of eight UConn turnovers. Meanwhile, for the Blue Demons, Jaden Henley, 15 points to lead the way. 12 off the bench from KT Ramey. 10 from Eli Fisher. And then the bigs, Churchill, Abbas, and Deshaun Nelson combined. Each of them had nine points. Really efficient from the floor. Abbas was four for four. Nelson, three for four. And Nelson, of course, as mentioned, knocked down that three to end the first half. So DePaul, you know, the rich keep getting richer. 
and the poor keep getting poor, unfortunately, in terms of on-court results. All right, let's blaze through it, shall we? Tonight, there are two women's games and one men's game. Uh, I'll start with the men, actually. Tonight, Villanova at Georgetown. I got Villanova winning this game. I mean, they're 10.5-point favorites. Yeah, they'll take care of business. Wouldn't be shocked if Georgetown covers. But, uh, be, again, they're significantly worse at home than they are on the road. So that could mean Villanova wins pretty comfortably in D.C. Saturday. Oh, dropped my phone. Uh, 12.30 on Fox. Creighton at Butler. Butler trying to salvage and trying to get a winning record out of this three-game homestand. They beat Providence on Saturday, this past Saturday before losing to Marquette on Tuesday. Now you got Creighton. And I know that picking an upset on Tuesday against Marquette didn't work. That back, you know, it, it backfired. But you know what? Call me insane because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing multiple times, expecting a different result. Call me insane, but I'm taking Butler getting the upset. Now, the game that everyone's talking about, number four Marquette, number one UConn at the XL Center. Again, like I said in the open, potential Big East Championship game preview. And this is the first time they met this year. They'll meet one more time. March 6th in Milwaukee on Marquette's senior night. I mean, who knows by then, maybe UConn will have wrapped up the Big East regular season title. I mean, it's trending that way. And, you know, very likely that they'll have the regular season title locked up by the time they play in Milwaukee, considering that they have a pretty comfortable two-and-a-half game lead I mean, it's weird for me to say comfortable with two uh, two and a half game lead with s seven games left for Marquette and six left for UConn. Big thing, I mean, look what happened when they met in the Big East semis last year. UConn had, was down two and they had more than enough chances to win the game or, or at least tie it and send it to overtime and they just couldn't cash in. But that was last year. This is... We're, we're in 2024 now. UConn's going to win this game. But my big thing is, you know, you got to limit the turnovers. Prevent Tyler Kolek from getting in a rhythm. And in terms of battle of the bigs, if you're clinging, you got you to gotta stifle Iguodaro because, you know, he's the most athletic big man in the Big East by a wide margin. I mean, he has a guy, his size has no business doing what Iguodaro does. And for Klingon, you know, he's, he's kind of clunky in terms of like, you know, he's nowhere, has nowhere near the kind of agility that Iguodaro has, but if he can lock him up, stifle him in the paint, that'll open things up, you know, because now, 
you'll have to be more reliant on guys like Cam Jones and David Joplin. As for UConn, you know, they got to get the three-point shots falling and, you know, and they can win with either balance scoring or one guy going off and getting some help as well with maybe, you know, two guys going off. But in the XL Center, Huskies win. Meanwhile, Providence hosting Georgetown. Providence hosting DePaul, rather. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, Providence is going to win. And then on Sunday at UBS, 5 o'clock on FS1, Seton Hall at St. John's. St. John's did look better against Providence. But Seton Hall, I feel like they're reinvigorated after throttling Xavier. And honestly, this game being at UBS plays into Seton Hall's favor. I said that on Hoist the Colors. You know, if you're if you're St. John's, you can get away with playing DePaul at UBS because the home court advantage isn't really going to matter because they were going to kill DePaul regardless. Against Seton Hall, you kind of need a bit of a home court edge. I get it, you know, there's going to be more St. John's fans in the building because this is a rivalry matchup. You know, battle between red and blue, New Jersey versus New York. But UBS is, and a lot of people can attest to this, it's it's more difficult to access than Madison Square Garden. And obviously, I don't know if, I don't know if it's fair to say that it's easy. It's dip, more difficult to to access than Carnesecca Arena, but then again, Carnesecca has a much better home court advantage. So that's why I'm going with Seton Hall getting a road win against the Johnnies. Now, on the women's side tonight, UConn. I got them taking care of business against Georgetown. And again, they're going to blow them out at. Gamble Pavilion. At Carneseca, 20th ranked Creighton at St. John's. You know, St. John's played them tough in Omaha, but that was back in... What? Late December? And St. John's was... kind of peaking. They, they were playing their best ball at that time. Creighton's playing their best ball right now. They haven't lost since getting blown out by UConn in early January. And they'll continue riding the hot streak with a win in Carneseca. Saturday, 1 o'clock to Paul Seton Hall at Walsh Gym. Yeah, I got the Pirates winning this one. I mean, they've kind of been up and down. But when it comes to playing inferior opponents at Walsh Gym, they've taken care of business. With the lone exception, I would say, being Providence. So that's why I'm going to take Seton Hall over DePaul. Butler Villanova. Villanova's going to win that one at the Finn. It's, you know, Butler, I know they've won back-to-back games, but it's a lot more difficult going up against Villanova and Lucy Olsen as compared to going up against, you know, Providence. Their last time out in the game before that, going up against St. John's. And especially because this game at Villanova is at Villanova. Sunday, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail. Providence will finish off the season sweep of Xavier. Then Monday on Fox, a President's Day matchup at noon on Fox. UConn hosting Creighton. The funny thing is, 
So last year, as as you all know, UConn went into Omaha and crushed Creighton. And then when they played him at Gamble, granted I know there were some different circumstances, but Creighton pushed UConn to the limit and UConn needed a couple late free throws to win the game and leave Gamble, you know, escaping with a win. Here, you know, they have a little more depth. It sucks that, you know, obviously, you know, AZ's, AZ FUD's been out since November. Aubrey Griffin injured herself against Creighton in the last meeting. You know, I expect the UConn faithful to take this President's Day, take advantage of this President's Day this holiday, and make their way to the XL Center and pack the building for a a pivotal matchup. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, looking at the Big East standings, UConn is 13-0, Creighton is 11-2. Each team with five conference games left. And by the time they'll play, they'll have four games left. So, Monday, you know, if, if UConn holds serve against Georgetown, as they will, and Creighton does their job tonight against St. John's, you know, they'll, you know, they'll have the benefit of, you know, only having to go from New York up to Hartford. So the shorter travel will help the Blue Jays, but it's not going to help enough. They will play much better this time around, but UConn will be just too much in the end. And Again, this is the first time UConn has, uh, Creighton rather, has seen Paige Beckers since her freshman year. I'm not making that up. And I think Paige Beckers, I mean, she kind of, rem- actually, no, 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 well, well, this year, Creighton saw her for the first time since her freshman year. I, I mean, that just escaped my mind that they already played this year, but... Paige is going to ball out. Aaliyah Edwards will have her way against a much smaller Creighton team. And the Huskies will win to officially clinch another regular season title. That's going to do it for this episode of the Igloo. I got to run to uh, work a Utica University D3 hockey game. But I'll catch you Tuesday for another edition of the coolest podcast in all of college basketball. The Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. Enjoy the long weekend, everybody.